This morning we talk about the blood's power. And with the thought of included in the blood's boundary lines. The blood's boundary line. And so uh, the first verse for us, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Hallelujah. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Knowing that we were, did, did I miss something there? Knowing that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. For it is the life of all flesh, its blood sustains its life. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any flesh, for the life of all flesh is in its blood. And that's the key phrase there. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. That was Old Covenant, etc., you know. But now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, there's a historical element there. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, under him he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see things, all those things put under him. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we just bless you and we are grateful for the word of the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation. We discover words regarding the blood. It informs us how important, and as a fresh reminder of the significance of the blood to God and to us. From the sacrifice of Abel, Noah, Isaac, the Passover lamb, the giving of the law, everything 
had to be done with blood. With blood. It says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 7 that he has entered as a high priest into the second part, that is the holy of holies, but not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people, sins committed in ignorance. The blood symbolizes cleansing, sanctification, and literally the settling of a matter. The power of the blood of Jesus has provided everything you need to live a life of victory. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The power of the blood of Christ provides that which was missing in the animal sacrifices. Cleansing us, not just physically, but spiritually. Think about it. It says that it will deliver us from dead works. There are three types of works. There are evil works. There are good works. And there are dead works. That dead work, that which is done without passion for Christ or for the glory of God. It's that work that is done to justify oneself. That work that attempts to make itself reconciled to God through deeds or rituals as was the old covenant. Works that are there but are not the principle of life. See, Ephesians 4 says that having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Human blood cleanses the body. Christ's blood cleanses us from the plague of sin. Think about it. The blood of Jesus is the only remedy for the illness of sin in our lives and in our society. You're familiar with the blood. You know a lot about the blood. You can quote a lot about it, but let me just add a couple of things maybe for your 
at least thought process. Jesus and his blood is a city of refuge. There were six cities of refuge that God had went ahead and ordered Joshua to set up for the, 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 the guilt and the, the, the sin and unintentionalness of, of people. In other words, for instance, if, if someone, you know, were to lose their life, you know, in the activity of your life, because the law said that, you know, it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, that individual could kill you. But God said, I want to have a place where there is safety. When the events of something like that take place, where you're not really guilty intentionally, but you are being accused. It was a place of shelter and security. In other words, that they would run after the event to the city, and once they got in the city, the accuser could no longer pursue them. If the accused were to leave the city, then that accused would be open to the wrath of the one that accused him. But as long as they stayed in the city, they were safe from that accuser. Sounds good to me, right? It was a place for everyone, Israel, the stranger, the sojourner, they could run to it. The Levites were responsible to see to it that the road was well marked, well signposted to that city, that it was without obstruction so they could get there not falling, you know, to an obstacle that had not been properly removed. But here's the good news. That the, the man that ran there was safe as long as he was in the city. And he had the freedom, the benefits and the blessing of being in, in that city. But he couldn't go out of the city because then the accuser could go ahead and require his life. 
But here is the thing that God also placed in with regard to the city of refuge. That if and when the high priest died, the individual who was accused was no longer able to be accused. And they could leave the confines of that city and could have the run of the whole territory of God's promised land. Now that's good news. You see, church, we don't have to be confined. We've been liberated. You can go out of the parameters that made you run to that city. Because your protection is not, you know, no longer just in a, you know, defined parameter. The whole land is guaranteed safety to you. He may try to accuse you, but he has no legal, legal right to accuse you. You don't have to run oh, from your past. You get a chance to run to your future. You don't need to bow your head in shame when the accuser of the brethren points his finger and says, this is what you did. And I'm going to make you pay. Because the high priest of our salvation has died. Releasing us forever. Forever. You may have heard the phrase, you know, when the enemy, you know, reminds you of what you have done, you remind him of his future. The blood, his power. Now let me give you a few things of what those cities of refuge, you know, represented. And they, to, they should play out in our lives. Because Jesus is all of those six cities in one man, the city of refuge. 
The city of refuge of Kadesh means that it was a sanctuary. How many find your home a sanctuary? You probably slept there last night. You went to sleep, but didn't even worry about anything. You found rest, you found peace. Come on to me, all you that labor heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The city of Golan, it was a city of rejoicing. Yes. Think about it. You and I can rejoice. Our sins are forgiven. We can be out in the world and we've got power not to be of the world. We are not trying to make a name for ourselves. We're trying to glorify the name of Jesus. The city of Ramoth was lifted up. It was David that said, why art thou cast down on me, O my soul? up the city Shechem means that he is a means shoulder the shoulder is that part of mankind that we can offer to people and you know we can lean upon that individual. You can put your whole weight upon them. The shoulder. The city. The fifth city was the city of Bezer, and it is called a fortress. A mighty God is our fortress. And then Hebron, it means to have communion, fellowship, and friendship. Jesus, by his blood, has become our city of refuge. And by his death, He's saying you don't have to be confined to the sins and the, the, the power of it. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You don't have to be afraid to venture out. You don't have to be in a commune 
and bless them for fear of your life. No. The death of the high priest has released you. Now he is not only our city of refuge. that says, not guilty. But he is also our blood donor. He is not just a blood shedder. He is a blood donor. Now, I know very little about that process. But you have probably at one time or another donated blood. And that blood of yours was given to somebody else for the benefit of their life. Yes, Jesus made a blood donation for you. A blood that matches every type and meets every need. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 validates this. As John looks and he notices that every race, every rank, every class, every tribe, and every tongue that had been recipients of this blood donor. A transfusion. Jesus as a blood donor is not only about our transgressions, it is about him infusing us with his life. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord because Jesus' life pulsates in his blood for the life is in the blood. Yes. Notice what Galatians chapter 2 says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I... I'm crucified with Christ, excuse me. It is no longer I who live... But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. Oh, hallelujah. It's not just your spirit that gets the power of the blood. It's your flesh that is also included in the power of the blood. 
the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. It's amazing in the natural when that blood of the healthy person is put into the unhealthy person. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is the fortification. It is, it is that, that dynamic of that healthy blood that begins to, you know, uh, rejuvenate the blood that is unhealthy. He is a blood donor. I love it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That blood creates a barrier between you and all the works of the devil. And it even delivers you from your wicked self. That same blood that had a disconnect because of the fall of, in the sin of Adam, today has had a reconnect. 2,000 years ago, a reconnection took place, and an offer of reconnection took place. Yes, to not only have forgiveness of sins, but freedom from sin. I want to tell you something this morning. I'm not suggesting that we're sinless because the Bible says that if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. But you and I have not been set to live, you know, anticipating to sin. He does not save us in our sins. He saves us from our sins. You don't have to be a prisoner. For sin shall not have dominion over you. into the lie that you have to sin. Buy into the power of the blood. And why? Because your heavenly Father does not have a curse on his life. Your new birth does not come with a curse. When the scripture says to the Israelites, I will visit the sins of the fathers, you know, on the third and fourth generation. 
Well, that's true. Until you have a new father. See, if the father doesn't have any curses, then there's no curses to pass on. That's why he says, "When this, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Because there's no curse. There's still weakness of the flesh, but it's not coming because of the curse. For they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's why he says, we can say, my Father. My Father. The blood, the power of it, has to have a delivery system. Just as the physical body serves as a delivery system, in like manner, the Holy Spirit acts as the delivery system of God's life. What the blood delivers, the Holy Spirit manifests. What the blood transports, the Holy Spirit provides. Notice that the scripture says, it says the blood justifies. It says the spirit justifies. It says the blood sanctifies. It says the spirit sanctifies. It seems though that the scripture has made them synonymous in a very only God way. We get the power of the blood oxygenating us by the Spirit of the Lord. Because remember, after the Lamb was slain and after He was resurrected, what was the first thing that God did to get that work of the cross to humanity? He poured out His Spirit. Hallelujah. And when he gave the promise about I will pour my spirit upon all flesh and he goes from generation to generation. Why? Because there's something in the power of the blood that he wants to get into every believer. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Everything that the blood...
There are so many things that it does and how it restores fellowship with God. And I'll ask my musicians to come this morning, I think. Christ's blood is also a healing poultice. Poultice, is that what it is or are? I'm not sure there. Poultice. I don't know, anybody ever had a poultice used on you? I have when I was young, you know what I mean? The type of poultice that, that we used, uh, my mother used, you know what I mean, was a bread poultice. You take that bread poultice and you, you lay it on the wound. And there's something about it, it can pull the infection and the poison. They would do that with, uh, uh, particularly with snake bites. Now mine wasn't a snake bite. I don't know what mine was, but you know, some sore that I got from an insect, or who knows, but you know what I mean? It was a festering. And she would put a poultice on that, and it would, it would draw it out. It was an amazing thing. It's like a medication spread over the, the, the infected part of a wound to draw out the poison. When Isaiah 53 says that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Jesus absorbed each and every toxin into himself. He pulled out every poisonous thought and every impulse and every wicked desire and every sickness into himself. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that having died to sins, we might live to righteousness. This angle is important because Sometimes the affected area of our life needs a poultice that's laid upon it. Oh, yes. Amen. It begins to pull out that poison of sin. But do you know that a poultice is not only used to pull out the poison, it's also used to remove the stain. The stain. The stain of sin. Those, those after evidences. Isn't that what a stain is? It's not the event. It's what's left over after the event. Some evidence 
that, you know, points to the event that maybe that has happened in the past in the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let your mind be plagued. You know the old story of you have a piece of white paper and a black dot in the middle and you ask somebody, what do they see? Everybody will say, I see a black dot. And yet all around is a cleansed, full white sheet. Hallelujah. Maybe this morning, you've been struggling with that black dot. Maybe the event and the stain of it is still tormenting you. The good news this morning is, is somebody else might point it out The scripture says that Jesus says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. He said, there is no judgment coming. There is just cleansing coming as he applies the poultice of the blood. Somehow I think that, I sense that Jesus wants us to to be set free from that single city. Oh, it's good, it's safety. But it's not the fullness of life. It's limited. As you stand with me this morning. Blood.
while the curse is still out there, you now have a weapon that can stand against it. And it's the blood do we have a well let me let me finish with this thank you for just bearing with me I think this will fit John in Revelations writes to a people in real lifetime a people were convinced that God was in control, but the circumstances were vastly different from what they believed. While they had affirmed one another, everything that was happening appeared to be different. How do we know that? He says, I, John, a fellow brother in chains, a fellow brother in tribulation, he writes to the saints he said I want to pull back the veil and let you see I want to let you see that God has put all things under his feet, even though you don't see everything under his feet at this time. Somebody give the Lord a praise. The Lamb wins. Absolutely. Encouraging them. Yes. You know what he said? The angel said to him, he said, John, don't you weep. I want you to see. Oh, hallelujah. What do you want me to see? I want you to see the blood. of the Lamb winning. But he wins. Woo! Hallelujah. He wins. 
So he encourages the church. Don't let the circumstances affect your seeing that the Lamb wins. Hallelujah. Absolutely. The church, the church must see through the veil of the present to the reality of the victory. Amen. Your circumstances might not agree. Hallelujah. But the Word of God agrees. Amen. Jesus wins. Go with God. Amen. Because He's already on the way.